All right, we are on. Welcome everybody to the Barbell Nerds podcast. Today we have Austin Yoakum. He is a strength and conditioning coach down at the University of St. Thomas in St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, if you don't know Austin Yoakum or you don't follow him, I highly recommend it. He puts a lot of stuff out there on Instagram, um, lots of stuff in his stories, videos of his athletes, what he's doing with them. Um, he has his own podcast too, so I would highly suggest you guys check that out. But Austin, Welcome to the Barbell Nerds podcast with me, Will Rattel, and Sean Fantuzzi. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I'm super excited for this. Yeah, it'll be fun. Um, why don't you just give us a little bit of background on you, um, where you went to school, or yes, whatever you want to whatever you wanna tell, tell us about yourself, man. Yeah, so uh, originally went to school at St. Thomas, actually, so that's kind of my connection to the place. Uh, took a coaching job. I kind of knew, uh, I, I'm originally from a small town in Minnesota, a really small town. And there's two things that you kind of did. And it was sports or go down the route of kind of like drinking and drugs and the bad route. And my, my high school strength conditioning coach kind of saved me and kind of pulled me out of that drinking and going down that route and pulled me into the weight room. And it's really where I kind of fell in love with this field. I was like, all right, like you can, you can bring somebody out of that pathway and take them down a different pathway. And then I started lifting away and um, I'm kind of like that natural, I, Will, like, I feel like I, you and I have similar builds, but you know, like the guy that just looks like um, he should move a barbell and that's kind of my size and my look. And so once I started moving a barbell, it was kind of just natural and I kind of fell in love with the, the weight room aspect side of it and kind of Olympic lifted, got really strong at that, really fell in love with it and got to St. Thomas and thought because I was the strongest in the weight room, I was going to be the best on the field. And man, I tell you, I walked out that first day for practice and I looked like such an idiot. Like I was so slow, couldn't move, couldn't bang, couldn't do anything. I just looked like such a fool. And my mind was just blown. And that's really kind of what started the pathway of where do, where do I need to improve? How can I take this field? And it just, it didn't solve any problems for me at all. It just opened up the book of, because in high school, I was able to get away with my clean and squat was so strong that I was able to dominate guys that just didn't train at all. And that was my advantage. So I just associated those things with being good at football. And now I realized like that, that association wasn't working anymore. And now we needed to dive down a different path. And that's kind of what took me down the path today. I don't know how deep you want me to go down into that, but that's kind of what took me down the path today. Yeah, dude, as far as you want, man. Yeah. So that's, that's where we opened a book. Like I said, then we went down the DeFranco method and that helped me a ton just because now I wasn't just moving a barbell, but I was at least jumping and throwing at least, doing something that wasn't just in the weight room, opening up, uh, started to make a difference on the field, started to progress just a little bit forward in the field. Um, I started to step on the field and I became a backup. I moved up like four spots on the depth chart. And that's where I started to be like, all right, now it's the jumps and throws. Now it's these things. Um, and, and my senior year, I opened up Cal Dietz's book and it was triphasic. And I started getting the Kelly Starrett's mobility. And I just started to feel a little bit better, move a little bit better. And, I got to start, had a really good senior year. But when I was done with it, when I was done with football, I was able to take a step back. Fergus, Fergus Connolly's book was actually a really good step with it to, um, to take a step back and realize like most of that probably had very little to do with my success. It was probably that I played a lot more football. Uh, the training, I was just training less stupidly, but I was still training, training stupidly. Like I would load up, a, <laughs> I would load up like a half field single leg squat with like 600 pounds and just rip it before practice. And then like be super proud of that half field squat, but then be destroyed for practice and be worthless. But you look at that technical and tactical model of things and you start to realize like 
I was probably getting better at football because I played way more football. My training was taking me away from was not taking me away from football as much as it was previously. And now it's starting to get good. And we had really, really good football coaches at St. Thomas. The knowledge that I grew in football wise was amazing. And then I also played a position to where I didn't have to bend and flow as much as other positions. So I was able to get away with it. I was almost hidden a little bit because I played nose guard. So the strength aspect helped a little bit more. And that's kind of, that kind of helps me hide my training a little bit as, as I would say like my, my my football coaches were good enough to put me in a good position to be able to hide my weaknesses which was like bending moving doing anything other than the straight line like move somebody uh or run away from somebody and catch somebody yeah um was it hard for you with this kind of shift of the, the way you you thought of training as you got to be cleaning, you got to be squatting to where you're, you're at now and you're still, you're still progressing. Was it that, was that initial shift hard for you to think maybe this stuff, uh, cleaning, squatting so heavy all the time, isn't that important? Oh yeah. I mean, I was yeah. a, I was a lifetimer and like, like I yeah. mentioned, like I associated with everything and like, I talk about it a lot now. Like it's hard for me now. Like even as like, it's been my backbone of everything that I've done is strength. And now, yeah. and this is, this is why I put out movement stuff so much. This is why I put out fluid stuff so much because when I was in college, when I was growing up, even when I graduated, when I would look at the movement based stuff, every movement guy, every guy that talks about the stuff that I talked about was always like a 130 pound guy yeah. that swore by movement and had never lifted a barbell. Like he never experienced that. And even if he had good knowledge, the meathead in me was like, yeah, but did he play on the field? Like, did he do these things? Did he, did he actually experiment with some of these things? And you would look at him and be like, no, like that, that guy's a movement yogi. Like that, that, that's his aspect. And there's still really, really good things there. But in my meathead brain, I couldn't make that connection. So now like I kind of see my transition and why I put it out so much is like, I am that original meathead. Like I am that meat stick that couldn't move. I've been where you're at that high school that's looking at this stuff. Like I've been where you're at. I've sworn by the way it's, now I'm here. Now this is the, the, the type of things that I'm talking about. And there's a reason for that rather than, rather than not experimenting on one side or the other. That's a really good way to look at it too. Just because that's kind of where a lot of us start from, at least a lot of the, the, the greats in our field, the reason why we have a field such as strength and conditioning, sports performance, they all started as meatheads. Like that was why we fell in love with performance. Why we fell in love with the weight room. Um, and I think marrying the two, marrying movement to moving, movement to moving weight is the essential pinnacle of what we want to do, whether whatever plane we want to move the weight in. I actually recently just put out a uh, post about horizontal force displacement with my buddy down the road at Villanova. Um, it's one of the it's quintessential essentials for performance, moving something, moving weight. Um, and being able to like benefit from that. So long story short, um, I watch a lot of the content that you provide. It's awesome. It's, um, it's more play it to me. It's more play than anything. It's creative thought when it comes to movement, explain some of your motivation and some of your, um, what, what goes through your mind whenever you just go to a, uh, park and go in the, monkey bars and do some pull-ups or what what really spurs that mind of yours to really work yeah so that i mean that, that i get that question a lot is like <laughs> and it's a funny question because it's asking like how do you create like how do you be creative and 
the answer is force yourself to be creative. And that is like, if I stay in the weight room and I tell myself I'm going to be creative by the end of that session, I'm grabbing a barbell and I'm doing something because the barbell is <laughs> there. If I go to a park and now I don't have an option to train now, now it's like, I got those barbells. I got that bench. I got a little bit of a field. Now I come up with movement. Now I create. And that's something I'm, and especially with my washed up movers that like I, I talk to them a lot is like, if you want to be creative and if you want to start to flow, you got to be able to like force yourself to flow and put yourself in a new environment. And that kind of started during quarantine when I, I had access to my whole gym, like I had access to everything, but I knew my athletes didn't. Like I was like, I, if I train all the way throughout this quarantine, I'm never going to feel what they're feeling without weights. Like 90% of my athletes had no weights, no access to anything during. So like, what can I train like? So I train like my athletes during quarantine. All right. Everybody has a park by them. Not everybody, but most people have a park by them. Let's go to a park and see what we can get done during the park movements. See how we can kind of work on some of these strength conditioning aspects of things without having this traditional weight room. And we had a ton of guys like go through these sessions that we talked about and start to move, feel better. And they come back. We came back last week and the strength is not down. Like these guys are moving some weight now that they're back. And I noticed that even myself is it's almost like that forced deload. Like these, these guys have had so much volume, so much beat down on their body. Like that forced deload of quarantine now they're able to come back and that stimulus is actually new to them again. And their yeah. spikes are crazy. It's actually funny you mentioned like everyone ha having a park near them and don't get me wrong, we do. I live in a suburb outside of Philadelphia, but a lot of parks got taped off and like, it, it was just the craziest thing to think of whenever the quarantine hit, they're like not allowed to use the park. I'm like, wait, what? You're going to tape off the park from everyone. Now, granted my friends and I still went on the park and did some monkey bar stuff and crap anyways. But it's funny. It just made me we, we broke into a couple of parks ourselves that, that were locked off. There's signs everywhere. And I mean, nobody ever said anything, but yeah, we, we definitely broke into some. Were you still, were you still coaching and programming for people throughout that whole quarantine uh, time? Yeah. So we had, um, I, and this is a little background. We, we, I have a kind of a double gig. So I work at St. Thomas as a football strength conditioning coach. And then I also own uh, my own private training center, which is Yoakum Strength. And we were doing both. So it was tougher on the Yoakum Strength kind of personal training because the rules in Minnesota didn't allow the, the gym itself to be open. So we were programming for our athletes through Yoakum Strength, through quarantine. And then we were also working with our football athletes through quarantine. And working with the football athletes through quarantine was – that was a huge growth part for me too because it was 120 guys that I had to get on the same page through Zoom calls and through yeah. online programs. And luckily, we have an online, like, platform built out. So we have a way for them to, like, click on a link, and then it brings them to a video and stuff like that. But that, that was a huge growing process of, are right, you now – everything's shut down. You have 120 guys that are depending on you to make sure when they come back they don't get injured or they're not beat up. How can you make sure they take advantage of this time? And for many men, like, this – like, not a quarantine, but if we had a three-month break for a lot of these guys, like, I would take that all day, every day for them to go home, actually get some real sleep, actually get some real food in their bodies, man, the training. And this is, this might go against like a lot of what we talk about, but the training means so little if they're able to get that, like the, these workouts were not special. And a lot of these guys see the, saw the biggest gains of their entire life. And even now, like, it's tough for me to like get them to believe in it. But it was like, man, that like that workout was not what got you those gains. It was you finally sleeping in, like you got to sleep in and, sleep in your own bed and not have the stress of everyday life and now you're able to eat some food that your mom is cooking for you all day long 
And of course you're going to make some awesome like gains and move better and feel better. Yeah. You're resting, eating, you're actually like taking care of your body as opposed to beating the crap out of it in the weight room, which for an hour a day, like pretty much that's what we do. We beat the crap out of it. Um, so we can get a little stronger, but that's also stress adaptation. Um, so I think there's a big give and take there considering it's us. <laughs> like I, I know both of you guys love being in the weight room. I love being in the weight room too. That time away from the weight room good and bad for a lot of people just because of how they perceive their stress, if that makes sense. Um, Absolutely. So I guess what did, what were the, some of the bigger things that you took away from being, a, being away, away from the barbell um, and being away from your gym over that quarantine? Or I guess what, what stuff did you learn that you liked a lot? Yeah. I mean, you can get a lot done with body weight movement and that strength is not tied to a barbell. And then that's something that I, I knew and then quarantine forced me to know. And you, to me, especially in, in positions like the shoulders and the hips, when you look at the movements that the barbell creates, it, it's very one dimensional. And, and when you're, you're not able to load that in a full, like kind of, and this is something that I'm working through thoughts on now too. And I'm, I'm about to write a post about it, but it's like, we are like, as strength conditioning professionals, like we, we think of, we are so far into our hole that we think of a single muscle, a single point, a single joint, a single movement, like snap that that's our issue. We're going to fix that with one corrective exercise. We are going to fix it with one thing that we do in the weight room. And we don't realize like our entire body is like, and I, I love the thought process of like, we're one big muscle, like divided into multiple parts. And that one big muscle is controlled by the brain, you know, like the brain that if you're not taking into account everything that's happening there, like as strength conditioning professionals, you're, you're really, we're going to break it down to it's the, it's that corrective exercise with that glute band. Like, come on, man, like there's so much more there. And then the brain's controlled by the consciousness and the soul and everything that you want to get down into. And there's just so many things. And we talk about, it just allowed me to get out of the hole for me. And that, that, that's something like, it sounds so macro and it sounds so like not a specific answer, but to be able to get out of the weight room, like literally and figuratively, and get out of the hole that is strength conditioning and be able to take a step back and look at everything and be like, well, no shit, man. Like, no, there, there, of course there's a reason that's not working. Like, what is that athlete going through? Like, like, what are all these things that are happening in our life? And then now we can take that thought process and apply it to the micro and actually take a step back and see what's happening. But I just feel like there's so many people in our field that aren't able to take that step back and then the more time you spend in the weight room, the more micro it gets, the more smaller it gets. And then, then we're working with like uh, the big toe function, which I, I think there, there's some good things there and there's some good stuff there. But man, if that's the first thing we're looking at with an athlete that's coming in with his eyes down and shoulders down and talking about problems in his life, like that's probably not our issue. Yeah, there's a lot more to unpack than just the, the on the surface type stuff for an athlete. Like, you say yourself, uh, stress is holistic, and like, I, I truly, and this goes back, I've been out of collegiate strength conditioning for a year now, but I still train some athletes here. If they come in after having like a bad day, like I had one of my 16-year-old uh, came in, he said, I'm just not having a good day. I had a bad fight with my girlfriend. I'm like, well, you're 16. I think you're going to be okay. Uh, but on the off chance, you are actually really upset. Like 
let's tweak some stuff and try to at least get you feeling better go, leaving the place. As opposed, to He really just wanted to lift heavy because that was his little uh, release. But, yeah. Yeah, and that, that's, there's another thing there, too, is like, and to me, it's not even like because when you when you have an athlete walk in and, and and has that bad day, has that fight, like that's where we need to be mentors and talk to them. But there's something else that I'm noticing a lot, and once I have my eyes open up during quarantine, it's the the the, the athletes walking in like zombies, man. Like the the athletes walking in like they just sat down through eight hours of class to where they they, they were told to follow rules, not break anything, not do anything. And now, especially man with with our Zoom calls, like their Zoom classes, like. They sit like you and I are sitting right now, except they're not into that conversation. They're not talking. They're getting spoken to. They're told to digest this information and not think critically, not challenge anything, not do anything. And you get these athletes that walk in and just zombies. Like the, the look on their face, like they, they, they want to be, they're, like, they're expecting to be told, all right, this is what we're doing. We got three sets of 10, A to B. This is where it'll take you. This is what it'll feel like. This is what we'll do. And we get to our sessions and the first thing I tell them to do is create I'll, I'll give them a ball i'll give them something and i'm like figure it out man like th this is your time and after five to ten minutes of them figuring it out you get to see who they are like that the, their face is shining they're they're like either frustrated with what's happening or they're, they're they're talking about what's happening they're trying to figure something out but you at least you don't have a zombie anymore in your session you have an athlete you have a person that's finally like not being that boy scout that he's not you know not following the rules he's, he's figuring stuff out and thinking and then we're able to get session done but that's the first part man like not having these zombies anymore trying to break the i talk about the zombie apocalypse of athletes that's walking into our facilities do you do that with the football players you work with or just with your personal training clients allowing them to create at the beginning of the session all, all football players the, the football players are almost the worst because they are like when we're at st thomas like they have the huge stress load and at st thomas they're they're, they're high achievers in some way. And this is what I talk to them a lot is like, if you weren't a high achiever, if you're reaching for something or running from something, you wouldn't be here. And high achievers, man, like their entire life is like this, like always, 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 always. And they're never really able to get out of that, that mindset. And you, you'll see it like with, if, if we started a session, just went through, like a lot of them are thinking about what's after thinking about what's during, like with analyzing and this type of thing. And, you finally get them to create and play and do stuff and you don't have to do it for very long because it's, it's such a huge new stimulus for them. It's the first time they've done it in a long time that, that it just breaks them out of that shell and you get to find out kind of who they are and what they're going through. Because if an athlete that usually is figuring out these problems and solving these things and creating is doing it and now, now he's super frustrated that day. It's like, all right, now you take a step back. Like, why, why is this making you bubble over? Like, like what, what's actually happening here? And then you get to realize, like, their stress levels is unreal that week. They're, they're, they're going through something. And before, especially with the football culture, it would have been, like, push through, do it, like, just go through, which I, I get. Like, I, I have that mindset as well. But if, as a coach, I can finally just give them a different stimulus and allow them to – get into a different point in their life to where they don't have that at all throughout their life. And I think it applies to more than just strength conditioning. I just apply it to strength conditioning because that's my job. Hope, hopefully we can get more out of them. How do you, how receptive are most of them to that first time where you tell them to, Hey, just go create. You got five to 10 minutes. You give them a tennis ball, whatever. Like how receptive are they typically to that? Does it take a while for them to get into the habit of, all right, I'm going to my training session. I know Austin's going to give me this time to 
to find myself a little bit. And the reason I ask that is because I do that a little bit with my athletes too. Um, there's times where I got my volleyball team coming in, it's 14 girls. Um, I'll say, okay, grab a partner, grab a medicine ball. You guys have seven minutes to play around, maybe throw the ball hard, maybe throw the ball to each other, try to catch it with one hand on one foot, whatever, like figure out a way to um, make something fun and challenging with the medicine balls. And there's times where it's like half of the girls are too timid to try something new. Half of them might feel like they're kind of too cool. Like they want the training session to be um, very strict and structured. And then you give them this time to play and then they think it's not serious. So why bother trying? You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so how, how is that? How have you dealt with issues like that? So like you said, like right away, for men, like all of them. And this is why I talk about the zombie apocalypse again. It's new. Like my, my biggest coaching advice is like, here's the ball and do it or figure it out. And those two coaching advice like drives them nuts because it's mm -hmm. the first time they've been told it. Yeah. And then once they're able to process and go forward and they open up, it, it's, it's been amazing. Uh, and I think, and this is something that I've been writing about. I think for the past like six months is new to me is I start to reward that a little bit too. And I, I don't want to talk like, I don't think it's um, manipulating, but like as a coach, I started to catch myself anytime there was a big weight being moved. Anytime there was something that a meathead would reward. I was like, Oh, that's awesome. And this is an intermediate of me. I'm like, yeah, awesome. You're squatting a lot of weight. You're doing this like awesome. And then of course, and I was like, of course, like the athlete is going to do more of that because the coach is valuing that. That's what the coach is like valuing. So now the start of the sessions, I sit there and I'm like, wow, that was an awesome solution. Like, wow, that, that was cool. Like you came up with that. And I sit there and now I actually geek out about it too. It's not even forced, but it's like, as soon as I start to value it, now it's like, hey coach, look at this variation that we came up with. Hey coach, look at this. And that started with me as a coach starting to value that and not valuing. To, and then we had it the other day, like we had a freshman come in and we were doing sled drags and he just had so much weight on the bar or so much weight on the sled. It was kind of a gross sled drag and he's pulling. He's like, hey coach, look, look at me pull this. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, I mean, that's your job. Like you're pulling weight. Like that's cool. <laughs> now I'm going to go over here to like talk to the creative aspect and things that are actually going to apply to our sport and value that. And I think the more I continue to do that, the more the sessions have opened up and now guys are like, all right, this is what he's going to talk to us about. This is what actually matters in the program. Not what he says matters in the program, but what he's actually getting us to believe in. And now it's, now it's been crazy and you, you, you still have the analytic analytical guys and this I think we talked a little bit before with the neurotyping uh but guys that are very like like this is who they are like it's not the, yeah. it's not really this zombie look with them it's like they're accountants like and that, that's usually like the biggest major man like I don't mean to rip on accountants but like they're accountant type people and you give them a variation and they'll go slight variations even mm -hmm. that slight variation I'm awesome with them doing it. and we've had a couple guys like that but to me that's even cool too is now we broke them out of their zombie thing. Now they get to choose what they want to do. And that guy's choosing that Cossack variation. And it, it's just the normal one. Like, I'm all right with that. As long as he knows he has the choice to do it and it's not forced and that's actually who he is. And then you have the athlete over there, like, doing it overhead, doing a different variation with it. And, like, that's who he is. As long as I get to see who you are and not who, what my program is forcing you to be, I'm totally all right with that. It's just making sure you have that freedom and you know that you have that freedom. Yeah, so – what do you do with the guys? Do you, I don't know, you don't, do you want to force certain guys to get a little bit more creative for the guys who aren't creative? Because like I've had, like I'll sometimes program RDL 
and I'll say you can go barbell RDL, single leg RDL, like single arm, single leg RDL with a landmine. Like you, you guys have the freedom to choose what kind of RDL you want. And I've seen guys every single time we write RDL, it's the same variation, same variation. So what I've done is when I figure out who those guys are, I just say, okay, you can't do a barbell RDL today, or you can't do the landmine RDL today. You have to figure something out that's a little bit different. And it's really hard for those guys. Um, like, for, for example, one basketball player only wants to do a single arm, single leg RDL. Now it's like, Tyree, you got to go grab a barbell today. And you just got to do something different. And he, we got to that part of the workout of RDLs and he stood there and he looked around the weight room, saw what everyone else is doing. Cause everyone's kind of doing a little bit of a different variation of an RDL. And he was like, Holy shit, what am I supposed to do? You know what I mean? You ever get in that situation too with those guys? Yeah. And that's where I kind of, I feel like I might change the environment a little bit for them to where those guys for me, and this is football. So I'm working with the football team, which might be a little bit different than a basketball player because football guys are like rah, rah, like want to do the mm -hmm. weights. I, I, from my experience, basketball guys, like you got to get them to buy in a little bit to the weights. A right. bit. And this is where football guys, if I have a guy that needs to be creative, needs to figure out more movement solutions. A lot of times I'll have them do it in the start of the workout when we're working with like more crawls, more rolls, more um, sprints or movement based stuff. And I'll have that be, be their creative portion because now they don't have the comfort of a barbell and that's where they want to move a ton of weight and do that type of thing. I'm like, all right, like if that, in that part of the workout, when we get to the outputs, you want to move a barbell, you don't want to be creative. Totally all right with that. This part, we're going to segregate into the creative aspects of it. Now you don't have a barbell, you have nothing. You have to figure out what to do with your body. So that's, that's starting a bear crawl and you have to find a way to get over there in a different crawl variation every single time. And then they, you get the wheels turning because they don't have any other option. It's like, I don't, I don't have that comfort of a barbell or that exercise choice. I got to figure out a different crawl variation. Another thing I've done with those athletes is we do a lot of, we get play a game, something, and there's very variations of this, but we play like movement pig. And that's where it's just like basketball pig where you're shooting shots and every yeah, shot. So like, yeah. if you do a movement, your partner has to copy it. If he can't copy it, then he gets a letter, he gets the mm -hmm. P. So I'll have an athlete like that and make sure he leads the movement pig. Because if he leads, he can't follow. He can't look around and he right. has to come up with something. And if he's being lame, everybody in the group's going to roast him. It's like, yeah. all right, like we're trying to play this game, man. Like don't just do, like give us something. And that, that, that's been two things that have been, give them, give them the cookie, which is like their RDLs, like you said, like that's what they want to do. Give them that cookie, but then force them to do the creative aspect in a different spot where they're not as, not as wanting to do it, you know. Yeah, that, that's funny you said the movement pig because I've we've done something similar with basketball where we just put out, or I just we put out a bunch of mini hurdles and I it's 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 horse we play horse once you're out you're out you gotta copy your partner maybe they want to jump out over three hurdles with two feet they have to get through the series of hurdles they might arc the hurdles a little bit so I I think they've they've liked that a little bit because it's not a typical warm up where it's knee hug lunge alternating side lunge like single leg RDL. It's not the typical warm up stuff you get and they still get warmed up. They get neurologically fired up. They get, they get amped up and ready to live. So I it's funny you, you brought up the, the movement picks. I've, I've done some similar, similar stuff with my basketball guys like that too. Yeah. Any, I might have to steal that variation. I kind of like the adding, mm -hmm. adding the hurdles in it. We've, we've done like a parkour. We call it like 
mm. parkour obstacle parkour and we just put an obstacle in the way and jump over it very similar but i, I like the, the hurdle aspect is if we're working on like vertical or horizontal based jump day that, that's something too is like try, maybe if we're tying in our warm-ups and the, the guy um the strength conditioning coach that works with all the other teams his name's Stu born he does a really nice job of this is tying his creative warm-ups to what he has to do that day and that's something where if our day we're going to work, work on vertical jumps or horizontal jumps and then we add the environment-based warm-up of hurdles we're adding the hurdles in if we do long now we let them play hurdle horse over it working on broad jump just start neurologically getting ready for that broad jump but now they're being creative in that aspect so i might have to steal that one yeah yeah i like it dude anytime you can get neck up uh neurological firing and a warm-up you know that's why especially 6 a.m lifts uh more specifically with women's basketball or i'm sorry women's I was training them. We had those early morning 6 a.m. lifts. And um, if they were quiet, chances are I had to do a little something to kind of fire them up a little bit, do a little something out of the ordinary at least. Um, but if they came in talking and they were like at least having some sort of conversation, at least whether or not be moving, just kind of sitting around, at least if they're talking, something's firing up here. And that's the that's been the biggest thing for me when training athletes especially of the collegiate level so um i'm sure you see that with a lot of your athletes as well if uh if you train them in the early morning like that yeah and that that's that's again just find, finding a way to get them to talk or talk shit to each other or compete and that that's where we start every single warm-up or every single day and we, we talk warm-up so like they, they have their movement warm-up that we do like the, the the typical stuff just to get them moving but like you said, that doesn't get them neurologically going. And it's, yeah. it's always something like we got to compete, we got to create, we got to do something to where you are talking, you are moving, you're talking shit and you're doing that type of stuff. Like, and then finding a way to, to create that with our athletes. Yeah. So, oh, oh yeah, go ahead, Sean. Go ahead, Sean. Ask how often is your warm up, or do you give them almost like full autonomy in their warm-up? Like, okay, you, uh, if you have like a cap, uh, captains on your football team, like you say, captain, did you run a warm up this morning or something along those lines? Do you put that on them every now and then? So our athletes, and it's different when I work with Yoakum Strength and when I work at the college. So at the college, the way our timing works up, we have so many groups, especially with COVID, where they have a like um, a set warm up that they do, and this is that's why I don't call it like it's weird. It's, it's different terminology, but they have their set warm up where it's literally like they just they're just moving, like they're doing some spinal flow stuff, they're doing some basic high knees, that type of thing. And the reason they do that is kind of the to get them going before I'm able to get there because I'm working with the other group before I transition over. Then when we get together, it, it depends on the day. Some days there'll just be stuff laying out there. I say, all right, now now this is when we actually go, and that that's what I count as my warm up. But they have a warm up before that, so it's weird terminology. But yeah. Um, then, then they create. Sometimes I'll just say like, hey, this box is here, and now you have to jump over. Sometimes it'll be, if, if they're dead, a lot of times a 6 a.m. session, then it'll be a little bit more direction based into it to get them going, and then they come up with it. Our games especially, I will start with something that I think is super cool. Like, I'm geeking out about it during all day. We will play it for two minutes. The athletes will be like, let's do it this way. And the athletes <laughs> will switch it up and do it that way. It is way better. Like, all of my games I create and talk about on, like, Instagram – the athletes created it like I just plagiarized yeah. it from them and they stole it and they played I plagiarized it and they created it it's so much cooler when they're playing it and they get to do that so that that's how we kind of make everything it's like I come up with something I wrote it all night like geeking out on my piece of paper where my cones are going to go and that type of stuff and then they play the game and they're like dude like let's do this way I'm like yeah that's way cooler yeah 
So we only have about five minutes left here, Austin. I got one, one more question for you. Um, and then Sean, I'll let you kind of finish up with whatever you got. What is the biggest, I don't want to say biggest mistake, but where, what have you changed the most aside from what we've already talked about as far as the shift in the way you think about training? Um, if you were to look back a year, two years, three years ago on what you were doing with your athletes, what is probably the biggest thing you've changed aside from the stuff we've already talked about? So the biggest thing I changed, I mean, it, the biggest thing is getting out of the weight room, going on the field like that. That's number one, yeah. being able to like understand that strength. And this is like, and it, it's, it's recent, but like, what is strength? Like that, that's the biggest thing like that I continue to bring back is we talk about strength and like, what does our terminology actually mean there? Like if we're working a bunch of cuts and a bunch of agility stuff on the field and perception reaction type stuff, that athlete looks really strong in that cut position. He's moving. Like, is that not strength? Yeah. If we have an athlete that's crawling and extending and is it mobile enough to get into a position that is going to have to see himself in the field and work on some mobility aspect with just body weight, is that making him stronger? Like, or do we need to add more weight on the squat bar? And that that's the thing that I continually am writing about a bunch. And yeah, it's probably sounding like that too. It's like my gears are turning right now because mm-hmm. something I continue, like the position is the same. We're, we're getting different forces into it. Uh, like something like a, we'll do a lateral side push with a partner pressing off that leg. And it looks like the same exact position as a Cossack squat, but now he's having to move and be brace and flow with the athlete that he's pushing against. Like, is that not strength work? And then how can we continue to progress that strength work in quotations on the field, as well as in the weight room to where we're getting so much done that we, we don't just have to sit in the weight room and do that kind of like, unidirectional strength work to where we're really strong in that perfect Cossack position. And that, I mean, even if you're doing that, that lateral lunge position, like that's something that some programs don't even do that. So like, Mm -hmm. that's one step now. Now, how can we take that a little farther? Like that's a perfect lateral lunge position. You're probably never going to see yourself in that perfect position ever on the field. So how can we continue to work that strength work in different dynamic moments of it? Yeah. Cool. Sean. Awesome. Uh, well, first off, thank you, Austin, for being on our podcast. And you've had some awesome guests on there as well. Um, but what we like to ask all of our guests at the end of their time is uh, who should we reach out to uh, for our next one of our next uh, conversations? All right. So this if you guys haven't talked to him, I think Dr. Tommy John, man, like I, I just had him. You just had him on recently, didn't you? Dr. Tommy John was, I think, a month ago or two yeah. now. But, like, there is – there's, uh, he, he's a guy that when you get done talking to him, I don't care if you agree with his ideas or you hate his ideas, but you get done talking to a person that has that much spirit in him, it – again, like, I don't care about ideologies or what you're talking about. But you talk to somebody that has that much spirit and direction in your life, you finish that conversation. Like, I left that conversation wanting to run through a brick wall. Like, I was like, hell yeah, dude. Like, I'm doing – like I'm fucking ready for life when you're done with a conversation with a guy like that. And I think this is what I talk to a lot of people about too, is like everybody's so middle ground. Like everybody is so middle ground. Talk to people outside of that middle ground. I don't care if you hate every single idea that you talk to that person about. Like if you talk to them, you were actually going to learn something. If you talk to people that you like talking to because they don't challenge your like ideologies, you're never going to grow. You're never going to branch out. And that's what's like, Something like him, like, 
he just takes you into a different world. You're like, holy shit. Like, I don't know if any of this is real. I don't know what's happening here, but man, does it get you fired up and think. Dude, that's the exact reason why we wanted to have this podcast in the first place, just to have great conversation and learn a shit ton of information, cool new shit. We've, we've gotten a lot of that from a lot of guests we've had on too. So it's, it's been awesome. Yeah, man. Austin, appreciate you uh, coming on here with us. It was a blast. Love chatting with you. Um, for anyone still listening, go check out Austin on Instagram. Uh, just Joe, uh, Yakum underscore strength. Is that correct? Yep. Yoakum. Yeah. You had, you had yeah. first the right time. I know. Uh, I know. Well, <laughs> right. The first time. Yeah. 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 So yeah, go check him out. Um, puts out and a lot of great content. So yeah. Check out his podcast too, guys. He does a great job. Thank you guys for having me guys. This, this was awesome. No worries. Thank you. Hey, sure.